And so the fact that I kind of figured that out while watching a show at, at, at the age that I was, I was kind of like, oh my God, like I, I feel like I figured out the key to life. Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. And today, man, I'm blown away. I've got somebody here. We're going to have an amazing conversation. And it's going to take us from Broadway to, um, well, we might even end up in the balcony with two old dudes making fun of some puppets. We'll get to that here in just a bit. But with no further introduction, Fergie Philippe is here today, and he is the star of the Broadway version of Hamilton. Can you believe this? I've got someone that stars in the most epic, I don't know what to call it, honestly. They call it a hip hopera, I think is one of the terms <laughs> that I've heard. So we're going to talk about that and figure out exactly how that comes into play. But we're also going to talk about some puppets. What? Some puppets? I had no idea just till moments ago that we were going to be talking about some puppets, too. So let's get down to it, man. Fergie, welcome to the Readily Random Podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Larry. I'm so happy to be here. What? That's the best introduction I've had in a minute. Was it? Was it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, man. I'm sitting here stumbling over words going, God, man, I've got somebody that's been on Broadway. He's the cat daddy. No. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the coolest play that's ever hit Broadway. I mean, he is at the top of the food chain. And here I am on a podcast. No, dude. I mean, it, 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 it's it's a crazy thing because uh, I kind of have ju- I, I still feel like I've, ju- I've been with the company Hamilton since like 2017, but it still feels like I've just gotten here. You know what I mean? It, it still feels like I'm I'm just like getting used to the air up here. And so it's it's just I'm blessed. I'm so grateful to to have been on the journey that I've been so far. That That's amazing. So, I mean, let's let's just get down to it. How did you get involved? in a production like this. Yeah, what what's crazy is that so I've been doing theater my whole life basically and and I went to a performing arts high school. I I went to college for musical theater. While I was in college for musical theater, you know, the thing that a lot of people will probably talk about in theater is that like theater has so many different conversations around type and by type I mean like what are the kind of roles are you, that you are going to be playing? And so, so there's leading man, there's leading woman, there's ingenue, there's character actor, there's all these different things that you can be listed as. And I was still like trying to, I was like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing. You know, I, I feel like I can fit into a couple of other things. And, and, and I was like, okay, I mean, I guess leading actor. And there were all these different shows that, you know, in, in terms of like, whether or not people of color, specifically black people were in, it was like, it was really just about the traumatic experience of being a black person in America. And I was like, I mean, I, I really respect those shows and I appreciate those shows, but I'm not really trying to only do those kind of shows. I would love to, you know, branch out and stuff. And so, so then I heard about Hamilton and I was like, Oh, I mean, founding fathers and rap. I mean, I'm, I'm only gonna, you know, <laughs> see how successful that can be. But I saw a small preview on YouTube and the, th- the 30 seconds that I saw blew me away. And so I followed the show and then I went to go see it on Broadway and it changed my life. I could not believe a show could do that on Broadway. And, so let me jump um, in right there because yeah. and you're probably heading there anyways. But I know it's changed so many people's lives and it's impacted people on such a level that I don't even think we can really bring into the level that it's impacted lives just by words. Right. There's definitely emotion involved. There's feeling involved. There's there there's history involved. And I don't mean history from an American history perspective, but I mean a history of 
of of individuals and, and cultures. It yeah. goes so much mm-hmm. deeper than just scratching the surface of affecting someone's life. How did it affect your life specifically? It um. Would you just pull a chocolate rain on me right there? <laughs> you remember that song? Sure you remember that song? Yes. Yeah. Where yes. you turn, go, yeah, chocolate rain, and then you turn away from the mic. Chocolate rain. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that can't um, see it, I use that analogy all the time for podcasters because they don't know how to they don't know how to work the mic, and so I see podcasters. They'll turn their head to breathe, and I'm like, man, y'all are pulling a y'all pulling a chocolate rain. <laughs> pulling <You> know, chocolate <laughs> rain. <laughs> you know what? What changed my life about it was. Again, going back to this conversation of types, you end up fitting yourself into whatever type you think you are. And there are very few shows that I saw where I felt like I was bringing my full self, where I felt like I was bringing the individual characteristics of myself and who I am, what makes me me into the role, just because that's kind of the way, you know, the nature of the beast of theater. That's just kind of how it works. But seeing specifically Hercules Mulligan and James Madison, seeing those two roles I was like, I see almost every single ounce of my personality in this role. And I know that what would make me good at that role is if I brought my full 100% self. And for so many actors, they fight years and years and years to get to that resolution and to get to that idea. And so the fact that I kind of figured that out while watching a show at, at, at the age that I was, I was kind of like, oh, my God, like, I, I feel like I figured out the key to life. And and what impact does that have? Because you're a relatively new podcaster as well. Yeah. What impact does that realization have in that arena? Because, and and I ask this for a particular reason. I have clients that I work with on podcasting, and so many times they're over here. And I just move behind (laughs) the mic because they're hiding behind the mic. They're not coming out and they're not being themselves. And they're not just carrying on conversations. They're not... They sound like they are reading a script and they are trying to apply. So how does, how does that work for you as a podcaster? <laughs> it's, it's something that, and again, like I'm, I'm a new podcaster, but, but when I recorded my first episode, you know, a few days ago, I was like, I feel very natural in this. And I realized I was like, well, it's because I'm just doing me, you know, there wasn't, I'm not putting something on. And I, and I learned that from doing Hamilton because everything about being in Hamilton were the, was the creative team saying, bring more of yourself, bring more of yourself, pull more you out. Don't put on a caricature. Don't put on an act. Don't put on, don't put on anything. Just be you. You don't have to put on anything extra. We, we hired you. We hired you for you. And they constantly kind of drill that into us very positively, but, but very much they drill into us. We didn't hire you to impersonate Oak or to impersonate Lynn or Leslie Odom. We hired you because we like you. And when you get that idea drilled into your head so many times, you, you can't help but bring that into everything else. And so for me, and that was part of the reason I jumped on to, to doing the podcast. I was like, why am I sitting here waiting for someone else to do it? I know I can do it. Why, why shouldn't it be me? As a matter of fact, you need to go out and prove to people why it has to be you. And I feel like, you know, obviously not not in an arrogant way, but in a way that's like, I know that I connect with this material and I connect with this subject matter so much. Bring that. That's what people want to see when they listen to podcasts. That's what you like to listen to when you're listening to podcasts. And so I, th- the transfer was almost seamless because of that. Yeah, that is tremendous that you have that realization and it comes from experience, though. I mean, you went to school, you are degreed, you're an actor, you're a professional. 
So it, it took time to make this realization and to be able to apply it. Are there anything, are there any tips or tricks you could share to help others along their path make that transition without maybe stumbling as much as most do? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually rec- like stu- just embrace the stumble. Um, I think <laughs> I think for me, you know, growing up, I, I was kind of I was a very anxious kid, and I, I kind of socially had a hard time. And I think if I went back and and could talk to my younger self, I'd be like, A, you're going to be okay, and B, embrace embrace the stumble. The stumbles are a part of who you are, and when you lean into that and stop trying to be something you're not you're going to find more success, um, which is hard because, cause you know, we, we want perfection. We want, uh, we want to, we want a polished picture, you know, we want a perfectly crafted painting, but we can only get to the painting after we've messed up a few times. And, and so for me, it's always been about, you know, if I stumble, not getting mad at myself for stumbling, actually being thankful that I stumbled because now I learned and I'm still learning that lesson. That's still something I'm trying to really push through. And the other thing is that, you know, I I don't know if this directly applies, but what I tell my students, I'm also a teacher. And what I always tell my students is you need to start redefining what the word success means to you starting today. And it's it's not about reaching the pinnacle. It's about at what point in your career are you going to reach where that's not going to take over whether or not you're miserable or not in life? Where are you going to be in a place where you feel comfortable and you feel like you are making enough money and you feel like your relationships are healthy and you feel like, you know, you're able to just live your life. Your career is there to support living your life. It is not your life. And, and again, another thing that I'm constantly trying to separate this whole pandemic has just been me trying to separate myself from my work. And it's been incredibly difficult Um, But when when I started reframing, okay, the career is not the life, the career is the support that helps frame my life. That is when I started feeling a little bit more free. And it started giving me more information and access to other things like this podcast. No, that's that's amazing. And it's almost like that just seems to be the theme over the last few months is I'm not the only one that keeps saying it. You just said it. My coach just last night said the exact same thing because I I still have a coach. You know, it doesn't matter where you're yeah. at in life. You need to have a coach. You need to have direction. You need to follow the path of somebody that's already laid it out there for you in order to get where you're going without stumbling eh, quite as much, right? But he said the exact same thing last night. He's got a, a rock and roll background. He's a radio DJ background. So, you know, he's like, if you're going to play the guitar, get up there, play the guitar, hit that solo. And if you hit a bad note and it falls flat, you know what? You still got up there. You played that solo. You let it go. You miss. You made a mistake. But you and maybe you failed, but you failed big. You got out there, you did it, <laughs> and you learned that lesson. You're not going to hit that flat note the next time, that's for sure. And it's the same thing. I mean, you're saying the exact same thing. Put yourself out there. Allow yourself yeah. to be seen and yourself, not a fake you, not somebody right. that you're trying to impersonate. And you had mentioned actors that played the, the the same role that you played. Yeah. In various iterations of the play itself. And mm-hmm. again, you as you stressed, don't be those individuals. Be Fergie. They hired Fergie. Just like anybody else that's listening to this right now, be you and embrace you and who you are and let yourself out. Man, I think that is so tremendous. How has Hamilton impacted you on a social level? It's a great question. Um, I actually don't even really get to talk about this. It, it's... Uh... It's, it's interesting because at the time that I joined the show, 
which was I joined them in 2017. So it was two years after the show came out on Broadway, a year after they won the Tony and a year after the cast album came out. So uh, truly like a, a, some time. No, it was two years after the cast album, but it was it was some time after things really started blowing up. And obviously, by the time I joined the show, it was already like a crazy phenomenon. And it seems as though when I joined the show, it got even more crazy and it got even bigger, which I was not anticipating. I kind of was anticipating just writing out how big the show was already, but the show kind of grew. And then it grew even again over the summer when it hit Disney plus like it, it, the, the expansion and the consciousness of people, you know, realizing this exists keeps widening and it's really crazy. And I think for me, the, the thing that changed socially is that it's a precursor to my name almost. And, and not in a bad way, just like, you know, if I, if I immediately tell, you know, if somebody sees Hamilton anywhere near me, people immediately become interested in me. And I think that that can be interpreted as uh, fake or that can be interpreted as like shallow, but I actually don't really know if I see it that way because nine times out of 10, it's not, Oh my God, you're in Hamilton. Can I take a picture? Can I get your autograph? It's usually, Oh my God, that show changed my life. That show made me realize this about myself. That show really connected with me. That show got me through college. That show got me through my divorce. That show got me through, like, and I'm not exaggerating. Like most of the interactions I have with people that come to talk to me about the show because they realize I'm in it have don't want anything to do with me per se. They want to tell me about their experience with the show, which actually I 100% prefer because we as actors are not the show. We are vessels to tell the story. We are the people that help get the message across. And so socially it it's it, it was something that when we first started we were like oh well you know people are gonna come out of the woodwork that we haven't talked to in years so they can get tickets blah blah and trust me that happens however hold up real quick real quick i'm getting yeah. tickets right you gonna hook me up right oh yeah 100 I mean, my wife she's gonna be like <laughs> I, I, I will be top dog man if i get some tickets so we, we can talk about it on the low low though we won't, hey, we man, won't listen, publish we'll, that <laughs> when it cuts out, when when the when the mic cuts out, we'll make we'll make sure we got you. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> but 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 what's but it's true, you know. People really connect with this show in a way that really, really that is profound, and not just with theater, but with most media. They connect with the show in a way that I haven't anticipated or that I've ever experienced before. And so most of the conversations that I have associated with this have actually nothing to do with me within it. It's always about what the show means to people. And and for me, socially, that's all I want to talk about. I just want to talk about, you know, the intricacies of the score, how how crazy it is that, you know, Leslie did that one note on Wait For It or how David really knows how to rap fast. Like, I want to talk about all of those different things. You know what I mean? And and it, it says to me something much more than the hype around it. It says to me that the content, the the actual like meat of the show is truly affecting people. Where do you think you're going next, man? Because with the social impact that Hamilton has had, it's not every lifetime even mm -hmm. that you yeah. are in a role that is impactful as the role that you had in Hamilton or have in Hamilton. Do you continue to tour and continue to perform 
uh, let's say after the pandemic is over, will you be back on stage with Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. After the pandemic is over, I'll be back in New York doing the show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We don't know when we're hoping we're hoping beginning of fall. That's like the, that's like the inklings right now that potentially the beginning of fall with all the, with all the vaccine stuff. So, so yeah, I'll still be with the show. Okay. So if say that runs its course, which who uh-huh. knows if it will, you know, some shows go sure. on, they, they have, they are a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Do you see this changing your perspective on work going forward or what do you think the impact will be overall in the long term? That answer to this question has changed 50 times during this pandemic. And because the truth is, I do not know, you know, I think so many things have happened. So many things so many conversations have happened, whether that's within the theater industry, whether it's about Hamilton, whether it's about what I want to do within my career, what I want to do artistically, all of those things have changed shift have shifted so much that I would love to, I, I have an answer in me, but I already know that I can't really even say that answer because it's all dependent on what happens when I come back. I only can base that answer based on the fact that for a year I've been out of work. I, I can't, I, you know what I mean? And, and at the time before the shutdown, I was only planning to stay with the show for maybe another year and a half. When I go back, I'm probably going to stay another three years because I, I'm, I, I don't want to lose it again because I, I'm, I'm so, I miss it so much and I love it so much. And it was such a, a blessed opportunity. It's a blessed opportunity and it's something that not everybody gets. And, and I, and I obviously reminded of that every single day. And so, you know, I, I don't know. And I think for me, what I do know in this pandemic is that I am wanting to potentially shift from being just a performer into also a content creator, whether that's television, whether that's film, whether that's theater, you know, you know, who knows what that will be. But I do want to also create more content that'll have potentially not the same effect, but similar effects that like Hamilton has so that people can see more of themselves in the really small, intricate ways, the way that Hamilton did for me. You know, and, and that kind of leads me to, uh, to maybe transition on topics just a little bit, because one of your other interests and passions, really, not just an interest, is, mm-hmm. ironically enough, the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And while Hamilton has a very significant positive impact on society, there's recently been some controversy surrounding this very passion of yours the muppets you know obviously <laughs> disney plus has just released their the entire series of the muppets yeah. uh, on their on their platform but how dare they put a warning in front a content warning in front <laughs> of the show so for those of you that don't know this let me kind of bring you up to speed the the muppets were recently released on disney plus and Prior to the, the series airing, they have a content warning that comes up, and I'm, I'm going to read it because I think this is, this is really great to show the contrast between what you're involved with with Hamilton and then your other passion, which can be kind of can be offensive. So here's mm-hmm. the warning that Disney Plus puts up before the show. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. 
And then it goes on to talk about Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. To learn more about how stories have impacted society, visit Disney.com slash stories matter. Now your video is going to start here in 10 to 12 seconds. So that that content warning, I mean, it's it's like, wow, because it's the direct opposite of Hamilton. Hamilton is there to bring cultural awareness and bring cultural diversity and bring other cultures and other forms of of representation to the forefront. Now you like the Muppets, dog. What's up with that, man? How does that even work? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's um, unbelievable about the response to the content warnings? And it's funny to, to, to have watched. I'm also a big Disney fan. And to watch Disney, when they released the platform of Disney Plus, go through the different ways they wanted to do these content warnings and the way they wanted to kind of address some of the things that their filmography has kind of addressed certain things. It's it's been interesting because before that kind of disclaimer was actually just in the in the info description. Uh, it wasn't even like a, a warning. Now it's a content warning that you can't skip, that you have to read, and and that to me is profound, and it's profound to me only because it is a direct statement of we acknowledge what was wrong. And we need everyone to see that it was wrong. And what's funny about it with the Muppets is that, and it goes hand in hand with Disney, is that I think that these all are things that immediately connect within our inner child. These are things that we all remember from growing up. They are fond memories. To see a warning like that automatically makes you question, am I a bad person because I used to laugh at that? Because I used to see nothing wrong with that. And I think that's where the direct response in irritation and and people being scared comes from but really it's 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 not that it's exactly what disney says we're not going to remove it but let's acknowledge it for what it is and do better from now on and and it's always interesting because like all, all of these episodes that those content warnings are in front of i remember watching as a kid never even crossed my mind until now and i go oh wow yeah that's exactly what that is but I see now, obviously, you know, that's not what we're going to do anymore. And so for me, it's relieving. Can I jump in there real quick? Because and I'm, I'm going to maybe cross things up a little bit here. So I, 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 I'm going to take this opportunity to educate. Speaking yeah. to someone that is a person of color, me being is so white, you can't tell where my headphones end and my face begins. OK, so <laughs> very pigment challenged. Can you look at those episodes that have that content warning? And mm-hmm. can you still find humor in the trope that's been identified as offensive today? That's an interesting question. I think it's I think it's about the way the the joke is written. I think it I think it comes down to how is the joke used and how is the trope being played? Is the trope being played because they're making is is the joke that they're making fun of said culture that they're making fun of said people? Or is the joke involving, you know, so so there's two different examples that I can think of. In one episode, Kenny Rogers um, is is the guest star. And every episode begins with Scooter knocking on the door, coming in and saying, hey, 15 seconds to curtain. 
Scooter comes in and says that to Kenny. And Kenny is like, what is all of this racket inside of my dressing room? And you see all these big metal cranes and pipes and stuff. And he goes, oh, sorry, you know, we're fracking for oil. And then these group of Muppets that are clearly Saudi Arabian come in and they are, you know, it's that stereotype that these Saudi Arabians are coming in to get the oil. To me, when I first saw that, even after seeing the content warning, I did chuckle only because I understood where the line comes from. I don't think the joke is they're making fun of Saudi Arabians. I think in their mind, they were saying, oh, well, where what part of the country do people often go to get oil from? And obviously, no, this is like a big political thing. This is where, why so many of our wars start. Sure. And so to understand that connection, I was able to say that's offensive. I also understood where they were going comedically. I don't think it's helpful to, to, to bash yourself because you were able to understand that connection. What you're able to do with that, though, is to say, I understand that connection. That is wrong, though. And that is not right. And I, sh- I, I a, should never make a joke like that. And that joke would never, you know, that joke shouldn't be made today and wouldn't fly today. No, not at all. Not at all. But then there was another moment where. In another episode, Kermit was, I think it was Beverly Sills, he was saying that we had an opening number with a Japanese monkey doing ballet or something like that. And Kermit canceled it. And then this gorilla comes out speaking like fake Japanese and then leaving. And to me, I was like, oh, that's not funny because the joke is on them. The joke is making fun of the Japanese accent. And and so I think it's 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 there's no direct like, this is funny. This is not. I think it's it's moment by moment. And I don't think there's anything wrong because we've been conditioned to laugh at certain things. We've been conditioned to find certain things funny. We've been conditioned to see things in millions of different ways. I think the best thing you do is that you don't just go, well, I thought it was funny. So I don't know why I'm being made bad to feel like it was funny. And instead just go, well, let me break it down. Like, why did I find it funny? Okay, great. Obviously, there's something wrong within that. I have to be mindful of that next time. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking yourself step by step and really just like analyzing those parts of yourself. Cause that's what, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do with these kind of issues. We, sh- we, we can't beat ourselves up, but we have to look inside and figure it out. And I think that's what's so lost in, in all of this. I, I think yep. the fact that it's not necessarily censorship as compared to it's self-evaluation and yes. evaluating ourselves and our impact on those around us. Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult to draw that line because so many of us do want to puff our chests out and go, well, I loved it in the 70s. It was great. Was it the 70s? Was it the 80s? I don't recall. I know as a kid. 70s. So, so, okay, good, because I was single digits in the 70s. So, <laughs> But at the same time, man, it's, 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 it was such a different time, and they, were, yep. they, they crossed so many lines during that. That's not an excuse. It's just a statement of fact. It doesn't make yeah. it right. It doesn't make no. it anything different than what it actually is. And right. that is a learning opportunity for each and every right. one of us. I right. can't begin to imagine what it's like to be any of those that were offended by the jokes that were written at mm-hmm. that time. I can't put myself right. in their shoes by any means, but I can look at these content warnings, evaluate the content and acknowledge the fact that yes, it was offensive and we right. do not need to to revel in it. It's it's right. it's not something to celebrate per se. It's something to learn from. And exactly. I love the fact that you're open to having that dialogue and that conversation. And I think 
if more of us could look at it open-mindedly like that and have that conversation, I think we would all find a much more familiar ground and a common ground between so many of us. And I love that you shared that. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So let's lighten things up a little bit as we start to wrap (laughs) this thing back up because uh, you do love the Muppets. What the heck, man? I, nobody would pick. No, no one would go. This cat, he loves the Muppets. Where, yeah. Where does that come from? You know, to be honest, like I, I, I grew up in Miami, Florida, son of two Haitian immigrants, and 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 it's a it's a common stereotype of Car- Caribbeans that they're strict. They're so strict. Caribbean parents are so strict. And growing up, I couldn't leave my house. Like I, I, I was home alone all day. I didn't go out and play with other kids or anything. I was only allowed to stay in my house, and so. What was I doing? I was watching TV. I was playing VCR tapes and we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Sesame Street tapes and Muppet tapes and all of these different <laughs> things because my mom grew up watching Sesame Street and, you know, all of her nieces and cousins and nephews, when they came over from Haiti, they learned to speak English through Sesame Street. And so there is a deep appreciation for Sesame Street in my household. And so obviously that was passed down to me. But for me, what I mean, what immediately drew me were the Muppets of Sesame Street and the fur and the colors and the comedy. And it it just struck me. And the thing that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the thing that a lot of people kind of talk about, especially people who get into puppetry. One time Ernie lifted his hand a little too high and I saw a sub sleeve and I was like, what is that? And I kind of rewound and paused and I was like, why would he need a sub sleeve? gear started turning he's not real somebody's controlling him and all of it and instead of it being like crushing to me it was like oh my god people are making that happen and then i kind of started doing research and you know the moment i found out about who jim henson was and who the rest of the you know the muppet performers were frank oz and jerry nelson and richard hunt and all these different guys like i i was done it was just like it, it blew my mind and i never stopped and i i became fully obsessed and so for a long time, I was more uh, obsessed with the artistry of it. And I was more obsessed with like the actual act of puppeteering because I just thought it was so amazing. And now as I get older and I go back and I watch old Sesame Streets and I'm watching the Muppet show, like I understand that so much of my sense of humor, so much of who I am, so much of my artistry is all derived from the Muppets. And so I think there is, I think there's a sense of play and joy and pureness, like purity. I think that's the biggest thing that I love about the Muppets is that they are so pure of heart and they are so well-intentioned, which, you know, I hate to be that person, but I don't see a lot of that in media today of, of genuine purity and just like wanting to do the good and right thing. I love that about them. You know, and it's amazing that you say that because as I've gotten older and gone through life's various experiences, I look for that purity as well. Yeah. There's sometimes I want to watch something and I don't want to hear the F word. Now, my wife, she would say, yes, you do, Larry. You want to hear the F word. (laughs) Don't try to BS anybody. (laughs) But there are times when that purity just doesn't exist and you look for it and and, and and again, I don't know if it's age. I don't know what it is because I'm I'm 48, you know. But I'm not, so I'm not ancient. But I'm getting up there. <laughs> but sometimes, man, you just want that 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 purity. You just want that yeah, clean, that just absolutely. just fun innocence, and just something that kind of moves you a little bit. Uh, Disney's got some new movie out. I think it's it's uh, oh Ulysses and Flora. 
Flora and Ulysses. Yeah. Okay, I got it backwards. So see, I am old. But <laughs> but I saw the preview for that and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have to watch that because I dig superhero movies and it looks like that is gonna be so innocent. You know, my kids are in yes. their twenties, they're not gonna sit down and watch it with me. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but I told the wife, I said, Hey, check this out. You need to see this preview. I said, We're gonna have to watch this. She goes, That's cool. Because she digs it too. And it's so yeah. hard to find sometimes. And I right. think it's so awesome that you find that in the Muppets. How how is it that you that you share your love for the Muppets. What do you do? You have your podcast and tell us about that. Yeah. So, so my podcast is time to meet the Muppets is a, is a Muppet show recap podcast. So basically, you know, when they announced that they were going to drop it, the all 120 episodes on Disney plus, first of all, sidetrack, small history lesson for those who of us who are not like deep cut Muppet fans, 2006, they released the entire first season, 2007, they released all of season two, 2008, they released all of season three, 2009, they announced that season four was coming and we've heard silence for the past 12 years, like literally nothing. And it's driven Muppet fans crazy. (laughs) I have emailed Disney so many. I wish I was joking. I have emailed Disney home video services so many times asking about an update on the Muppet show. I think they know my name. I'm not even joking. The number of times that I've emailed them and the number of times Muppet fans have emailed them. So when they announced that they were dropping it on Disney Plus, it was insane. It was crazy. I 100% teared up. It, it was just like, it was crazy because this show just means so much to me. And I was like, wow, you know, a recap show would be a lot of fun. Kind of like Office Ladies or kind of like, you know, West Wing Weekly. And then I was like, dag nabbit, it needs to be me. And I don't know why I got into that headspace, but I was like, I, I got to do it. And so I just started talking to people and people were like, I, I want to hear what you have to say. And I was like, I, I guess, you, I, okay, great. If you do, then, then sure, I'll, I'll make it happen. And so, you know, I eventually got things together. And so, yeah, the podcast is just going to be me talking about what I love most about each episode. That's it. <laughs> it doesn't get more complicated than that. Well, it was funny just as we were, as we were talking about just, just briefly there, talking about some of the tropes that we find in there, you were, you were saying names of episodes. I mean, you're sitting, you're quoting names. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I think it was this episode. And you, you rattled off a name and I'm like, do you know every name of every episode? I mean, are you, are you that involved? <laughs> For those of you that don't see a video, he's like, eh, maybe, you know, he's like, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, yeah kind that, of. That's just crazy because I used to be that way about the Ultimate Fighting Championship, but then it got kind of mm, crazy. You know, back before, yeah. I don't know, we got to about UFC 125-ish. I'll probably cut it off there. I can tell you every every fight card, every winner, every loser. I mean, yeah. I, had all this, I had it all down. Wow. And I'm still a huge UFC fan. I've still never missed one to date, and it started in 1993. So that's my passion. But, uh-huh. you know, it's it's amazing to know that when we love something so much, how much information we can retain about it. Truly, now, yes. Do you still find yourself a student of the game? Do you still do a lot of research into the Muppets? And do you still try to just absorb any small tidbit or fact that you can find about the Muppets? 100%, especially because during the pandemic, I personally have gotten to back into puppetry myself. I kind of put it away for a few years, but I got back into it over the summer. So I have been trying to use my Hamilton clout to get in contact with different puppeteers that I've admired. 
And when I've gotten to talk with people who have worked with Jim Henson, people who, you know, worked with the Muppets, people who worked with Sesame Street, they tell me new things all the time that I'm like, what? What? I've been, I've been alive all this time and I never even thought about that. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, I'm still learning about all this stuff. I, I call myself a Muppet aficionado, but there is still so much I'm still learning. And that's what I love about it is that the world of Muppets never ceases to amaze me in terms of like things that happen behind the scenes or even on screen. Wow, that is crazy. So you're 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 into puppetry yourself. Do you have yeah. your own puppet or have you created your own puppet? Do you have characters that you've created or Yeah, I'm in the process of all of that. I'm, I'm in the process of building. I bought some professional just so that I can get back into the game of things, but you know, you have to get a monitor because that's how the puppeteers see their performances. You have to sometimes get a little rolly chair because they have to be so low to the floor. You know, I've, I've had to kind of invest in certain things. I had to invest in an old-fashioned camcorder so that I can make sure that the, the camera flips right because that's the way that it works. So, you know, I, I've just been doing what I can to, like, you know, invest in myself as much as I can. And so, yeah, I've also been buying materials left and right so that I can build my own. And I'm, I'm about to start. I'm literally about to start in the next two weeks. That is so awesome. So you're telling me that if, if we were to, like a fly on the wall at Fergie's crib, we're going to look in there. You're going to be sitting here on a mechanics chair. You're going to be sliding across the floor and you're going to have a puppet yep. up in the air. And I have a puppet in my hand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is too cool, man. That is too cool. You know, and what's so super cool about it is the second half of our conversation has humanized you. Mm. And I say that because you're in such a role in Hamilton that you're right. superhuman. And I love the fact that we had the opportunity. I'm so thankful that I learned about this just an hour ago that you were in yeah. the, the Muppets as much as you are, because it's totally changed the scope of our conversation. Right. And I love yeah. that it was able to bring this humanity to the forefront and actually show who Fergie really is. And give us some insight into Fergie's world. And I love that. And yeah. I thank you for it. Hey, thank you for letting me talk about it. I never get to talk about this stuff, man. But it's my it's my number one passion, the Muppets. And I, I, I love them with all my heart. And I always will. That is so awesome. Can people find out more about you and your love for the Muppets? Can, what's the, the podcast is? Podcast is it's it's time to meet the Muppets uh, Instagram page coming out soon. But if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at at fergsters 95 that is at f-e-r-g-s-t-e-r-s 95 at instagram and on twitter i'll be posting about all everything there you can find me there to post uh, you know to hear about what's happening in my puppet life happening in my my hamilton life happening on the podcast life everything is like that's the main central hub that's awesome that's awesome Fergie L. Philippe thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast it was tremendous talking to you we covered a ton in a very short amount of time, and I know we just skimmed the surface on everything, but I think we got a good introduction as to who you are, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. Larry, thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. Uh, let's talk again, man. Most definitely. I would love to. Seriously. That'd be great. Yeah. All right, man. Take yeah. care. Hey, man. You too.